Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. My name is Spencer Powell, the Inbound Marketing Director at Builder Funnel, and each week we bring you marketing and sales strategies for your home building or remodeling business. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is marketing and sales strategies in between job sites. I'm your host, Spencer Powell. And here at Builder Funnel, we help home builders, remodelers, and contractors generate more leads from their own websites and close more sales. Today, I have Brooks Powell with me, and Brooks runs Powell Homes and Renovations in Seattle, where they've been building homes for over four generations. I think that's 108 years to be exact. And they also have a full-service remodeling division. And Brooks brings a wealth of knowledge to the podcast in all phases of the home building business, Brooks, glad to have you on the show today. Great. Thanks, Spencer. Glad to be here. And so we could go a lot of different directions, I think, with this podcast. But today we're going to be talking about the state of the market and what you're seeing as being important for our listeners to think about over the next several years. And I had just gotten back from Minneapolis several weeks ago, and Zellman and Associates had published a huge report with tons of data on the home building market and their forecast, um, basically what things are looking like over the next several years. And they said, outlook is high, things are looking good, and that baby boomers and millennials are the huge drivers right now. Is that what you're seeing in your neck of the woods? Yeah, in 2007, I was at a Builder 20 meeting, Ivy Zellman was there, she actually was speaking to a group of 20 of us, and she was talking about the upcoming downturn, which then became the 2008 um, recession. And she was telling all 20 builders, hey, things are going to get bad. And we were all saying, no, they won't be that bad. But she doesn't know what she's talking about. And she was spot on. Wow. So I really respect their work, their reports. Um, I would probably, my thought is, is that we are seeing in our Seattle market that some of the trends we're seeing nationally were struggling with just high costs of product. So we're seeing price of product, whether it's renovations, new construction, outstripping wages. So that's going to be a challenge locally for us, although I think uh, Zellman's spot on with the fact that things are growing. Interesting. Yeah, and that's that's good to know because um, I don't think too many people had predicted that and things were running pretty good there for a while. In the report, she mentioned that, you know, millennials are having kids later, but they're starting to hit those ages, you know, 30 to 39, uh, which means they're looking to buy homes. Uh, and they said that, you know, 74% of married couples with one kid are living in a single family home and that 82% with two kids are as well. So uh, are you seeing that in your market, that's a pretty common buyer is those millennials 30 to 39, or is it is it different in your area? Um, I would say ours are probably mid 30s to mid 40s, just because the cost of housing is so high. Um, and we're in our markets, we're seeing close to 50% of your income has to go to housing because our, wow. our in house price in Seattle is close to $800,000. It's similar to a San Francisco market. So people are having to wait a little bit longer um, as they're not getting help from family. And uh, in the out, the outer range, people are younger. They could be in their mid-30s or 
late 20s. Obviously, they're driving to qualify to get further out so they can afford, you know, afford a home. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. And I want to kind of jump back to because you mentioned that you had uh, seen or heard the presentation from Zellman before the recession. Um, do you feel like the coasts are indicators and things move inward or um, you know, if, if the forecast right now is things are high, do you see, I guess, at a national level, where do things start to tip when they when they do change, or is that not relevant? Well, I think it is relevant, and we can see, you know, typically, you know, the East Coast will lead into a recession, and the West Coast will follow. Those have been a lot of our traditional recessions. Um, we're seeing, um, you know, anecdotal information from builders in our in the National Association of Home Builders Builder 20 group, we're seeing, I have guys in my group who are in East Coast states, Connecticut, New York, where they're already uh, feel like they're in a recession, which doesn't really make a lot of sense when I'm out here in Seattle and the market's just red hot. Um, other guys in Kansas, Iowa, you know, it's kind of hot, it's off and on. So it's not just a, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's not a straight up trajectory or a straight down trajectory, it's, it's up and down. And you know the question we have to watch is uh, is what are what is people's buying power as it relates to uh, their income and interest rates? Yeah, I think that's interesting because uh, obviously just looking at the data nationally, you know the big trends were uh, millennials starting to move into the buying market, and then also the emphasis on the median age of baby boomers, which is fifty nine. And downsizing typically starts around 75. So there was still a pretty long runway for buying. So you have two of the biggest generations uh, that, that we have, being the millennials and the baby boomers, in that home buying segment. Um, but I feel like the question that comes to my mind is, what does that mean from a marketing and sales perspective? When you Because those are two very you know, different audiences. Um, and I guess, how are you seeing that take form and whether it's the, the product and the types of things that you're needing to offer to fit what those two audiences are looking for? There's, yeah, the two very different audiences that, that buy differently, and I think, um, especially on the renovation side. On new construction side, they it's very I still very traditional. People have a realtor. They go out and look for product. Is the product in the right location? Is it the right price? And then they'll buy it. And they're using traditional financing methods, you know, with mortgages, um, you know, or if they're in the if they're the baby boomers, and they're older. They might be paying cash for renovations. People are had during the recession were really relying on cash, and they were using cash to do the renovations. And they were, well, we're going to be stuck in this home for ten years. We might as well remodel it and we'll we'll make it nice while we're here before we can move somewhere else so now people have been able to move they've moved into new homes to them you know they're used products and then they're remodeling them and they're a lot of times they're using lines of credit you know because there's been enough room enough appreciation in the market they may remodel before they move in so they're buying the house remodeling it and then moving in um and they're you know People are much more mobile and being willing to move sooner. I mean, the average time someone stays in a house is still, I think, traditionally about seven years. Um, and we're seeing that even can be shorter in a highly appreciated market. So we had recently surveyed 
builders across the country in our state of home builder marketing report and 67% of those builders said that converting leads to customers was their top priority for the next 12 months. I think you've touched on a couple of the challenges, um, but what do you think is so challenging about converting those leads to customers right now? I think you've mentioned some of the uh, you know, income restrictions or, or just the, the ratio between income and the, the home price today. But what, are, what do you think are maybe those top three hurdles to really closing the gap there? One of the things on the remodeling side is that there is so much information on the web. And I won't call it disinformation, but it's not necessarily good information that, that leads people down a, a path to you know, successfully be able to remodel. So I think that you know, 67% of your respondents were saying you know, closing leads you know, for new business, I mean, I think that's absolutely true. Probably a hundred percent of us would say that that's the most important thing to do, right? You know, throughout, throughout the year. And then the challenges, the top three challenges would be one, the ability to discern, you know, through your marketing efforts and through your, your, your funnel as you're bringing people through the process, you know, who's really a qualified lead versus an unqualified lead. And I think that's one of our, probably the number one challenge we see is you see all these leads that come through the system and how many, and how do you quickly qualify them and move them either to a, you know, we're going to pursue this lead or we're not going to pursue this lead. So one is determining the qualified lead. Two would be moving that qualified lead through the system as quickly as possible to deposit. And then three, avoiding fallout at the end. And those are, I think the three biggest things to, to, for all of us to work on. Sure. So how do you get over, you know, some of those hurdles? Like you mentioned the last one being fallout at the end. Um, what, what do you see happening that causes the fallout? And then what are some things that you can do to avoid that? You know, what, what we see, we, when we see fallout at the end, we are seeing that we didn't do the, we were not diligent enough in the pre-qualification of the very first intake. So we really attribute a fallout at the end to not doing the legwork and the homework in the very beginning. So if we are properly qualifying either through our, our web work, through people coming in through, through the web and coming in through some of our landing pages and then actually working with them on the phone and working through what type of projects they want to do, what price range they want, when they want to be doing the work. If we do all those things correctly, then we, those do not fall out. The ones that fall out at the end are the ones, well, did we really pre-qualify them for price? Did we really pre-qualify them for scope? Is the scope going to be within their price? Did we, uh, did we pre-qualify them for time and what their expectations were? You know, anytime we skip one of those steps, it'll just be a fail at the end. Sure. Yeah. And would you say price and timeline or their time frame are the two biggest things that you might skip two, in that initial yeah, intake two, two biggest things because um especially in our market it's interesting because we are an amazon city where amazon sure is. so we get to see a lot of the new um instant gratification that amazon can bring you can order something and it can be here tomorrow i mean you can order it and it's here this afternoon i mean it is crazy how it's wild yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 
in our office here in Seattle, we can order something in the morning. It'll be dropped off after lunch. Wow. So you're not waiting 10 days. Or, <laughs> uh, yeah, just a so few hours. People's like, and, and Amazon actually competes in our market in that, in the, um, not the full renovation space, but the handyman space. We're like, oh, you want a TV installed? Oh, we'll, we'll do it this afternoon. It's very, so it's, wow. So you're seeing some competition, but I guess the expectation would be very, very competitive price and the commoditization of the work when people expect, oh, well, I can have a renovation that done in my kitchen in two days. So expectations are really something we really struggle with, managing the, the true expectation of, of building a, a very custom product. I mean, renovations and homes are some, one of the last things that are custom built in front of you. I mean, you can go see your, you don't get to go see your car built, you don't get to go see your TV built, but you get to see your house built or your, your kitchen remodeled and craftsmen are working right in front of you. So it's not, it's, it's not as speedy. So I think time is the time is a challenge. People really struggle with, Oh, I can't call on Friday and have a new kitchen on Monday. Um, or they struggle with what's the true cost of that operation because there's so much advertising around low cost, like, Oh, a new kitchen for $5,000. And they're really just advertising that you're getting new counters or something. Sure. And a lot, a lot of time on uh, buyer education. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, yeah, and it's kind of interesting because I feel like probably a lot of industries are facing that same challenge and that everybody wants something today, tomorrow, yep. in the next two days. And for the lowest the lowest price, we uh, all run the people that are, gee, I, I can get this product at, uh, you know, at the, what it? I can get it on Amazon. I can get a faucet on Amazon for $50. And we're like, well, we're, we're going to buy it for 65 from a wholesaler because it's warrantied and they'll, we'll warranty the installation and we can take it back if we need to. And people understanding what comes with that higher price is the warranty and the service. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating because there's probably a million questions like that as you go through the process where there needs to be that, like you said, buyer education. Uh, are you finding, I guess, what are you finding that is helpful as you think through the sales process that you guys have implemented to try to, I guess, head off some of those things almost preemptively before that buyer brings them up um, so that you can kind of build that credibility and expertise into your sales process? We try to work when we're working with, with clients as we're determining whether it's a fit, you know, for, for us and for them is really it's a level of service so if potential buyer is saying you know gee i'm going to go buy all my materials wholesale or i'm going to go buy them i'll bring them here and you guys can just put them in they're they're really probably not on the same page as we are is that we provide all the labor all the materials all the design work and get you a, a finished product and this warranty for uh, two years um whereas we just or providing labor, it's more um, more that the client, that potential client, is interested in in really acting as the general contractor themselves and not looking for that level of service. So there's a there's a niche for every company, and for us, that's not our niche. You know, our niche is full service. You know, not quite you know fully white glove treatment, but you know you can call up and and say, well, gee, I want a, a full kitchen redone and 
and I don't really want to have to think too hard about it. And, and that's our perfect, perfect client. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, in addition to, you know, converting leads to customers, when we were looking at our report, um, some of the other challenges that came out of that were uh, just generating traffic and leads. So that next piece, sure, converting leads to customers is always that, um, you know, I, I think like you said, it maybe you were surprised it wasn't 100%, you know, why that wasn't the top priority. But in terms of getting traffic to your website and getting more leads, are you seeing that as a, a challenge or is the market so hot that um, that's not really uh, an issue right now? And I say not really an issue. It's always important to generate leads, but I think you know what I'm grasping at is that. Yeah, generating leads that are generating leads that are the right lead for each business. And I think that's the challenge because there's so much chatter and information out there. So as you know, you go to Google or search for something and trying to get to really where you want to be is really difficult. And that happens with people looking for renovation uh, contractors. How do they get to a renovation contractor that really is a fit for them? There's so much competition between home advisor and, and porch and house and Yelp and how do you as a as a consumer navigate well gee how am I actually going to get to the contractor that will work for me so we're seeing um, potential clients you know going on the web and then just filling out tons of information for requests and part of our job then as a as a company is to sift through those and, and help get people to who's right for them and some of those people are right for us. So we try to help people with if really they need a handyman service or they are a better fit for Lowe's or Home Depot, then we help get them there and say, gee, you are perfect for you to, to do that um, and get to the clients that are best for us. But I think the, the challenge we're really struggling with is how do you find those clients and how do you advertise and direct them to you, to our website when there's so much noise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said, you know, if you get somebody that's not a good fit, you'll try to redirect them to, you know, whether it's Lowe's or Home Depot or another company that maybe just is a better fit. And I think that's really good that you do that because we've actually heard from several clients and different remodeling companies that they will actually get negative reviews of people they haven't even worked with because of the way that the company responded. So you said, you know, hey, it's a big challenge to weed through, you know, the market is good. So there's lots of leads, there's lots of activity, but everyone's shopping around, they're going to multiple websites. Um, and it's almost like if you don't start that service at the front end from just that first point of contact, you can actually get, you know, this backlash of, oh, this company said that we had, you know, too small of a budget and they never called us back or something, you know, and right. then they'll leave a negative review online. What do you think, you know, is a good approach there? Obviously, you want to minimize your time investment because you can't be hand-holding every single person uh, that, that comes to you, but you also need to balance that, you know, by not wanting to get blasted online with all these negative reviews. What we try to do is we, as, as things come in on, on email or request for information, we obviously respond the same day and we respond either with if it's if we know it's not a fit could be location we just don't service that area 
we have a referral network where we refer off to other um, other companies, and and we refer back and forth. So because our region is so traffic is such an issue, you can't work everywhere. Sure. So we pretty tightly constrained. So we always refer off uh, geographically. And then if someone is not a fit because they want to do more work themselves, and, and, and then we have people that we were other contractors that we work with that like, oh, here, call Bob, he'd be great for sounds like he'd be a great fit for you. And here's his information. A lot of times we'll, we'll forward that information on to that contractor. So um, in some ways, sometimes I feel like we do a great job of referring people to other other con, you know, our, our co-competitors. Yeah, you should get a commission on those jobs. If I should. We should. Yeah, that was. I thought about that before, but yeah. that's why you're just trying to get people to the right place, and you know, that that can be just quick with a phone call. And as a consumer, it's like if you're for any of us are consumers when you're on the web and you're trying to find a solution, you really appreciate when someone helps you get to the right place. Absolutely, and you never know that person may refer somebody else to you because they still had a good touch point, a good experience with you right. because you, you know, helped them out and, and moved them along. So jumping back to the report here, I thought this was a pretty interesting statistic. So we were surveying about what were the primary approaches to marketing. So there's inbound marketing, which would be things like blogging, website, social media, search engine optimization. And then your more traditional channels or outbound marketing, which would be signage, trucks, uh, maybe TV, radio. So 73% of the respondents said that their main approach was inbound marketing, so digital. They're still doing offline things, but they're uh, heavily invested in inbound. However, 91% of the respondents said that they were getting less than 50 leads a month from their website. So... To me, I'm trying to figure out that, you know, is there a disconnect there? Is the the industry lagging in their adoption in getting digital to perform? Or maybe that's not the right channel and it's not generating enough leads. What do you think? What's your sense of it in terms of the industry overall and their adoption of digital channels and inbound marketing? Interesting question because I think that since so many of the remodelers and builders in the country are small, you know, I'll say small just from the standpoint is they're they might have you know five employees or less. You know, how do they afford to be in the digital marketplace to be an inbound in something that's reasonable from a cost standpoint? Um, the big the you know, the top. 100 remodelers in the country are all huge, you know, window installation, siding installation companies. The top builders are all uh, publicly traded, and they build you know, thousands and thousands of homes. But most of the home builders and remodelers are small companies. And so, how sure. do we compete in the marketplace in when we're only getting 50 leads or less a month? So, what I think. The marketplace needs to do is that the companies need to focus on driving traffic to the site to their site and do it through if they can't do it through blogging other ways to drive more traffic they do it through pay-per-click and you just actually drive very targeted traffic and have a very targeted sales campaign so that when you, you know you're paying for each click and you're paying for that person to call in or fill out a landing page but then you actually work with it have to close so you don't just drive 
drive a bunch of traffic that's not qualified. So I use uh, house quite a bit, or I, I have, and it drives, we have very high quality images, high quality photos. We do a lot of work on their website to you know, raise our, raise us in the search, the search parameters, but the traffic from the house site that actually is not really qualified. Interesting. Not, it's not qualified by area, not qualified by price. And so it really has, I think there's better ways to be more targeted. Yeah, I think you made an interesting point there talking about if you can't, I guess, put together a campaign at scale online, then maybe pay-per-click is the way to go. And I, I think a lot of people do get hung up on just, oh, we're going to do a couple blogs and we're on social media, but there's not necessarily a overall strategy behind it. And they're kind of checking the boxes, if you will, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing SEO. I have this guy doing it for $200 a month and I'm doing some blogging and I, you know, we write one once a quarter and it kind of falls off the radar. It's not even close to enough. I mean, it's just not close to enough. You just have, you have to have a comp, I believe you have to have a comprehensive strategy it's a comprehensive sales and marketing strategy that ties together everything you're doing online, everything you're doing with your signage, everything you're doing um, with any sort of handouts and everything you're doing with your salespeople from start to finish. It all ties together. You can't, and it's expensive. There's no doubt about it. You just, you just cannot skimp on this part of your business. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, it's good if you have that limited budget, then you should start thinking very campaign-based. So you're going, okay, I, you know, I'm really going to focus in on whether it's kitchens or baths or it's a certain community that you're looking at, and we're going to drive to a very specific page. And then you made another good point, which is once somebody fills out that form or hits that landing page or conversion page, you actually need to follow up and respond. And do you guys have a target um, that you're trying to respond to leads you know, within a certain time frame, because we're seeing that sometimes companies will wait a couple of days. And I feel like with this on-demand audience that we have, they're gone. Yeah, no, we're, we definitely are same day during the work week where we fall down is on the weekends when we're not working. You know, so you, we're, you know, when we've done different things where we've had, you know, you could live chat and people could click on that at two in the morning, but it, it, the quality of the leads, you know, at that point, it really, they weren't as good. So we've just gone back to, we just respond first thing in the morning if something came in overnight um, with an email and a phone call, both. Um, but again, those are, I think those people can be gone pretty quick. Uh, so it's a matter of how quick do you pick them up. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really big hurdle to ask, you know, every company to be responding to leads all hours of the day, you know, weekends and especially if most of us are small companies and right. there's a couple owners and there's four or five people and people are wearing a lot of hats and we're supposed to be this this sales machine that will just crush all the leads whenever they come in and immediately call them all back. Yeah. But you need a full time salesperson for that. And so that's that scalability is until you're to the size where you can have a full time salesperson really tough. Yeah, so if you are that, you know, smaller company, um, and that could be even anywhere from, you know, half a million in sales, even oh, up yeah. to 20 Absolutely. million in sales, you know, and that's still considered a small business. Um, you know, what would be some of your takeaways for our listeners, you know, in terms of 
how do you how do you find a happy medium with some of those things like uh, lead response time and responding on certain days or times and um, weeding through leads as well? I mean, you mentioned a referral network, um, but where do you think is a good middle ground where it's it's accomplishable, but it also is going to you know move the needle for you? I wonder if it, you know, we use a lot of time blocking in our company where it's, uh, we block out times like this is the time when we're going to do sales or we're going to, and so you're maybe when you're, is your, your smaller company where you're wearing multiple hats. And, and so if one of the owners, if there's one owner and, and he or she happens to be very good at sales, then they delegate off all those other things that they can so they can really focus on sales because sales drives the machine. And, they spend 80% of the time on sales and that way they're able to respond daily to respond quickly. They're able to move people through the pipeline, but whatever person is responsible for sales, they get that time blocked out so they can successfully do that. And everything else will follow. You've got the sales, everything else is going to follow. So yeah, so put, put sales to the top, right? Put sales to the top and, and figure out a way to let one of your lead carpenters fight the fires with the client and, and things like that so that you can work on the next sale. Yeah, it's true to some degree. I mean, if you don't ever step out of that role, then you kind of just get stuck in this vicious cycle of you're, you're selling, but then you're the one putting out fires and so you're not selling and then you, you never make it to that, that next level. So. That next step and the next, it, it depends where everyone wants to be in their growth cycle. Not everybody wants to have multiple employees and have multiple salespeople and isn't thinking that you know going to that size so it's it's finding the right balance for you as an individual as a company owner to you know, how much time do you want to spend on sales or not or do you want to have somebody else do sales you find someone else to do sales for you and you put your tool belt on it. that's what you enjoy yeah yeah and i think you know you said it well which is see what people's strengths are and then if you can you know leverage those people in those certain areas and have them delegate the other components so that you can move ahead. So we kind of started our discussion today talking about the market at a high level. We kind of dove into the report a little bit. Um, there's a lot more data packed into the report, so we could probably spend hours talking about that, which we won't. Um, so as we kind of wrap up the show for today, you know, what thoughts or advice do you have or want to share with our listeners kind of about um you know, the state of the market and where things are going, you know, what, what's kind of top of your list in terms of priorities and things that you think the industry should be thinking about? I think the thing we're really thinking about here in, in Seattle is, you know, cost of, cost of housing, how that affects uh, our overall market. Uh, we're watching interest rates because interest rates have been low for so long that you know, many people have forgotten that interest rates can have a huge effect on the marketplace they can dampen the marketplace uh money's expensive to borrow so then it's harder to do a remodel because you can't borrow as much so those, that's what we're really watching and we're watching uh, wage growth so we're you know wages have got to increase to allow people to continue to remodel and continue to buy houses so wage growth is a question interest rates are a question two huge uh, things that could happen if we got into an inflationary cycle really slow things down. Gotcha. Yeah, I think those are some good points and good things for people to kind of keep their eye on as we move into 2018. Um, 
fortunately the forecast was strong but you know yep, nobody great. nobody has the crystal ball so it's always important to look at both sides of the the equation what are those factors that could start slowing things down and sounds like those are probably two of the the top things to pay attention to so brooks thanks for for joining me on the show today it was fun talking through some of this and really Appreciate glad to have you great thank you Thanks for tuning in today to Builder Funnel Radio. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and definitely leave us a review over there as well. And also, don't forget to download this year's State of Home Builder Marketing Report. Uh, we will link that up in the show notes to make sure you can get access to that and look at all the data. And we will see you next time for the next episode of Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.